Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Hey, everybody. Hey, monkeys. Welcome back. You may have noticed uh, the snark monkey here has been on a bit of a hiatus, been taking some time retooling, rethinking. Uh, let's call this a soft opening with a hard rocking trio. Let's get into it here. Uh, this is such a cool story, and these ladies are awesome. Uh, anybody stay all the way to the end of the credits of the Ghostbusters remake from last summer? As uh, any snark monkey aficionados may know, I got to talk to that director, Paul Feig, about uh, his career, Freaks and Geeks, Bridesmaids, etc. A lot of uh, talk about film school. You can scroll back a little bit in the Snark Monkey canon and listen to our lengthy conversation from last year. But at the very end credits of the Ghostbusters remake is this song, a cover of the Ghostbusters theme originally done by Ray Parker Jr. and sued by Huey Lewis. And... Uh, this song was kind of added at the last minute, and you'll hear this story. The band is No Small Children, and No Small Children is made up of three rockin' chicks by night and school teachers by day here in the uh, Hollywood-slash-Los Angeles area. Uh, Lisa, Joni, and Nicola. And they're cool, and they have a great story, and they are on the rise, and they literally do teach kids at elementary school during the day and then they have a band no small children and they're touring and they're well we talk about all this they're so much fun uh they have got some dates coming up in encino and uh topanga days festival in may in southern california in new york state ohio massachusetts uh, up in san francisco check out nosmallchildren.com get their whole story and they got a new single called Radio, which we will feature later on, and also they perform live for us. So check out No Small Children, an awesome episode, and thank you for coming back to the Snark Monkey. Much more to come here in 2017. Hang with me. I promise you, it's going to be fun. All right, let's uh, do, let's go. I've got all three of you here, which is so cool, and we will take a picture later, and I'll post it on the site, but you actually kept things consistent by dressing the same identical outfits. I didn't think you would do that for a podcast. We had our game face. This is our game face. I've been wanting to talk to you. There's been so much going on with you guys. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. you. And the hook, of course, we'll just kind of start at the beginning and go from there, but uh, the hook about you guys, of course, is... School. It's on your website. Is it school teachers by day and uh, rockers, rockers by, by night? night. Yeah. And and that's true. I mean, all three of you are. Do you still work at the same school? Yeah. In mm-hmm. North Hollywood, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm gonna have to. I realize talking to three people, I'm gonna have to either point or ask by name for you to talk one at a time, or we just do the entire podcast and all three of you talk at the same <laughs> time. Yeah. We usually are pretty <laughs> good, good about uh, dating. Uh, yeah, 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 now she's now purposely she's talking, talking over about me. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we try pretty hard not to. <laughs> talk over each other unless it's on purpose like I Lisa's really, doing I right really now. think we should do the entire podcast. <laughs> uh, how about we start with uh, Nicola? Because are you basically the one that had the germ of the idea to put the band together? Actually, it came about 
when Lisa and I, one Friday, were covering yard duty <laughs> together. It was like during recess, yeah, right? Yeah, I was just doing recess. I think I think we had the the idea at the same time. Just it was an evolution of a conversation that by the time we were done in our fifteen minutes of coverage, we had formed a band, found our name, decided what we were wearing, and realized <laughs> we needed to go into the studio. That's amazing. Yeah. Pretty much, that's it was just sitting true. there, just waiting to happen. Yeah, is was some of it, Lisa, out of some kind of frustration that I mean, because you've been playing music forever and you've been putting out your own releases for a while and and you teach music right yeah yep. um was there some sort of kind of thing just kind of busting at the seams yeah, to I do mean, that you weren't doing well it wasn't like we decided to put a band together that was going to be what it is right now yeah. we decided you know it was kind of an imaginary band you know yeah. and it was kind of like a nicola let's just you know be reckless and do this crazy thing and start a band and we'll write songs about eating salad and you know <laughs> so it was like we wanted we were wanted to be a punk rock band and we wanted to be trashy and we wanted to just feel like rebels and so that's really where it started and then we started writing songs and then we started writing more songs and we got Joni, and then it just turned into Something, but we, you know, we've had one foot in that ever since, right? You know, and Joni, so, so you joined a little later, and you were in New England at the time, yeah, which yeah. is where you guys. Uh, so I should point out that Joni and Lisa are sisters. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And we Nicola, have the same Nicola is not their sister, but no. may have a sister or be a sister. From another mister. All of that. Sister. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you were in New England doing your own thing and teaching as well. I was. I lived in Massachusetts where we grew up, and and uh, Lisa had been trying to convince me for years to move out, and. Um, we were Did you kinda... not want to come to stinky old Los Angeles? Is that the problem? No, not at all. Oh. Not at all. It's <laughs> warm old it, Los Angeles from yeah. Boston. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I had been coming back and forth for about a year to work on a different project. And the last visit before I made the decision to move, it was just gorgeous out. We're sitting in Lisa's breezeway and it's like 70 degrees. And she says, oh, when do you think you might want to make the move? And, and I look at the weather when I'm about to land and it's going to be like three below. <laughs> I think now's a good time. Now, yeah, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and do that now. So, so you were in the moment you got there. It's like you were also kind of in the groove when you heard we about this. We handed her a base. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, I had come out the, sum- the summer prior and um, to work. And then uh, at that point, originally I was going to play guitar in the band. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I got demoted to guitar. And it was, like Lisa said, it was just kind of a, an imaginary thing at first. And then it really took on a life of its own. And, and they said, okay, you know, could you maybe come play in the band? And, and my whole life I've been primarily a singer. And I said, well, what would you like me to play? And said, I want you to play the bass. I said, I don't, I don't know how to play the electric bass. I'm, a, I mean, I'm a strings player, so I can play upright. Yeah. And she said, uh, so oh, you'll figure it out. So yeah. she, lit- they literally like loaned me a rig. And um, at first, I thought, oh, you know, it, this should be okay. I, you know, I'm an instrumentalist. This should be all right. Yeah. It was really hard. <laughs> really, really hard. I had to practice my butt off. And it only asked for strings. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. <laughs> That's very perceptive. <laughs> Um, they gave you the easiest one. Yeah, right? well, honestly, the thing that was really tough was learning how to sing and play bass at the same time. It, it was like trying to juggle with my feet. It, yeah. was, it was really Sudoku. tough. It's like Sudoku. Yeah. Yeah. It, the funny when we first started, um, I like that Nicola is uh, such the uh, in the school mode that she's raising her hand yeah, to ask a question. I have to, to get yes, a word in. Yes, Nicola, here. you had are, a question. Thank you so much. They are sisters, and we'll <laughs> fill up all the air in the room, <laughs> given a chance. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. No, I know. Okay. I, I'm just we kidding. Talk about I'm just kidding. And it was the Snark Monkey podcast that caused the first rift that caused the breakup of no small children. No, no. but I just wanted to music. talk about the yes. Genesis for a second. I mean, the thing is, if we 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 didn't have an agenda to think about what where we'd be today, we just went into a room and had so much fun and it lit such a fire that our motto was we just say yes, just say yes yeah. to everything. And then, you know, within six months, we started planning further out. But we were so in the moment for the first six months that we said yes to every show. We like to say we, we counted. I count. I count everything. We, count, <laughs> we played 55 shows in the first three months. We were wow. working full time playing full-time and just completely energized from the experience to the point where we looked at each other and we're like, hey, you know, let's let's start planning our tours a little further out. Yeah. Let's start 
thinking about the next recording we're going to do because we put out a recording. We went on tour within three months. We had a recording out with that within seven months, and then we just kept on just saying yes. It's almost as if, I mean, you said it was an imaginary thing or just kind of a what if. It almost sounded like a lark at first, just kind of like, let's play. And almost as a, you know, the last thing you guys probably want to be thought of is as a gimmick, although there is a hook to what you do because of who you are and and how you look. But then you end up playing and I think that drops away as soon as people are watching you play. But it seems like you started it as a gimmicky kind of thing, it's just eh, let's just have fun with it. But it, it, this is how it happens, right? This is where the magic happens in music, where the last thing you expected, sh- shit just happens, and you're like, we have to take this ride. Yes, yes, Miss Pimentel. I actually really think that's true, and I think like being in LA, there's a lot of bands that form together with this idea that they're going to showcase. You know, and they right. they almost put the image together. And they just put the cart before the horse right. a lot, you know, and I think it really feels different when you do it that way, you know, where it's like almost producer driven rather than band driven. Or image driven. Mm. Well, and that's another thing I want to talk to you about. I'll probably reference it this kind of ad nauseum during this because I'm watching my son aspire to be a musician right now. And he's in New York and he's kind of finding his way and, and doing it in an organic way and trying to play live a lot and that sort of thing. But he was out here for a while and was playing backup guitar for uh, a pop singer who was doing a lot of radio tours and stuff, and he was just kind of letting that, taking that ride. But he was trying to figure out, what's is there a difference? Is L.A. a different scene? Clearly it is, but, it, but he recognized it was like, if I... If I, I'd, I have to brand myself, I have to kind of be the social media guy, I kind of have to... I have to be weirdly established in a different way, whereas in New York where he'd been playing, people were just kind of walking in and seeing him live, and, and he we could go up all the time, and he didn't necessarily have to focus on the image first. He could just concentrate on the songs, and then the other stuff would come. At least that's kind of what he's picking up on. Well, what I think, what and I think we all agree, is is that in L.A., people think it's that. People think yeah. it's like the whiskey and sunset. And, you know, you have to you know sell 100 tickets if you want to play. Otherwise, you're just... But what we found as a band, by saying yes to them in the very beginning to everything, which was just... We really made a conscious decision. We're going to say yes to every crappy gig, to everything, you know, every opportunity Give that comes example. our way. Man. Every great gig. Some of the ones that you think that would, yeah. would have been well, stinkers end up being amazing. And we can give an amazing example of that, but I don't want to take away from... Do you want to continue before? Well, yeah. like... Yeah. like That's silly. Yeah. On like a Monday silly. night residency. Yeah. And there's like five drunk guys uh-huh. in, yeah. in the room. And But by the end of it, like we were we were workshopping our sound. Like we, mm-hmm. we were getting better. We were getting better on the mic, which is a whole other thing. We were People were starting to hear about us. It was free. It was cheap. It was... You know, and just that experience alone really helped us be like have a solid sound that sounded like a real organic thing where we were all part of it you know we weren't being told really i guess what to play or just like um manufactured you know right. we felt you know and granted some of those shows we didn't sound that good but it's like you need to go through that i feel like well you got to be bad first right you, i mean yeah you, you have to kind of make put those yourself yeah. out there yeah. you gotta put experience is the best teacher and a yeah. lot of people awesome. don't put themselves out there in la until they feel like it's all perfect like they they practice 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 get their hair perfect practice 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 and then get to a showcase and you can feel that it's not authentic you know also too that we built a relationship with all the clubs where we play, and we we understand from their business uh, point of view, they're just trying to fill the club. Right. And so what happened was by the fourth Monday of that early day residency, the club was filled, and they turned around and gave a, gave us the club for the night uh, for actually a whole day from eight in the morning till nine at night to film our our uh, drunk creepy guy video. Oh, that's good. And great. we continue to have a relationship with them, and every va- bar we go to, because there's a reason they're doing this. And so we're part of the night, building a night for everyone who just has worked so hard and they want to go out and let off some steam. So we work with the clubs to do that. So you, when you guys are developing this and you're playing every gig and you're saying yes to everything, you also still have your everyday life mm-hmm. and your teacher life and your family life. Yep. I mean, how is that being handled because that's that's a lot to take on it is it is a lot to take on and you know we we get asked this question a lot and 
what you often hear musicians say when they speak about their other job is that that's their day job, mm-hmm. that's their other job, and and it also something that they know they're never going to do professionally or or for long term or whatever. Exactly. But you guys are obviously you're educated and you got a degree in this, and you're you're teaching in places where you have a certain amount of respectability and and that sort of thing. Whereas you're not you know waiting tables or. That's walking true. dogs. Not that there's any, there's nothing wrong with no. doing those things, but but we we actually look at teaching and being musicians as parallel careers, um, and one complements the other. And we are very passionate about teaching, and we're very passionate about being musicians, and that requires both of those things require the best of us in order to be effective and to feel fulfilled by it. So. You know, we don't uh, sleep very much, and we drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but uh, you have to be smart. You know, honestly, you have to be very smart with your time. You have to plan, and you have to be efficient. And, you know, we rehearse twice a week. We make the best of that time. We're in constant communication with each other. If Maybe I showed you the much. text string on our <laughs> phone, it's it's hilarious how many texts we fire off back and forth. Um but we work in concert with each other, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and uh, and you make it work. There's no there's no other way to do it. And it I won't tell you that it's always easy. Like even today, it's you know we're, we basically came right from teaching to be here, and yeah. and, uh, and so and at home, thankfully, all three of us have really supportive families and husbands in particular who just are our biggest fans. They are totally 100% behind us and actually have contributed in their own respective ways uh, to this project, for sure. Well, also, what does this say to some of the kids you teach? I mean, what, what it, it, it's, they clearly know that you guys do this. You have done, for instance, the Ghostbusters thing was born out of, and we'll get to that, but that was born out of a situation where you worked it up for a school presentation, right? Um, and and I think it's a sign to them that, you know, you can kind of do anything you want. That uh, well, I feel like it's like it's 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 we we cho- you know we're teachers and we play music, but it's all just this creative stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And even like when you said you know waiter, like I feel like I know some pretty create you know, like putting everything in you have whatever you're doing and and learn in like we tell our kids like when they're working. You know, if they're not enjoying the rewards of what they're doing, then they they have to rethink it. You know, right. they should rethink the way that they're doing it. And I feel like just being creative in life with all everything. And, and it's true. The kids see us do this band. We don't, like, elaborate with them, but they know <laughs> we do it. They know we're passionate about it. They know we work really, really hard at it. And they could, and it spills over. Like, we talk about the kids when we're when we're having a band practice and we talk about the band, mm-hmm. we're at the teacher's room, you know, it's all <laughs> just like, Oh, let's, you know, make this thing as awesome as we can, you know, whatever it is we're working. And I think the kids, I do think they feel that like Nicola has a, she's in the middle of a play right now that she wrote with her kids. And it's just this amazing film about that. They wrote themselves and they put together, um, where she, that whole thing, it's the same way that she deals with that, with her, she, you know, the way that Nicola is with this band, it's the same way she puts that together as a producer of the play. And it's, it, it's all, like Joni says, it's parallel. It's all, it's all the same thing. You're just with kids instead of drunk people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just and get, they're very similar in the way they behave a lot, right? <laughs> I just want to get back to something you were referring to with your son. And mm-hmm. that there is an element, though, that, you know, you can choose to play for yourselves and a small group of people, mm-hmm. or you can choose to make it grow. And there is an element, the way that the music industry is changing and is forever changed that we're finding that we don't need a label right now behind us well yeah that's the other aspect so to do that there is that social media piece there is that production piece there is that media piece and we've divvied up those responsibilities between us um and we are all working all the time right. <laughs> on that and love it. But it's your thing. I mean, yeah. in the long run, I think, and uh, I, there are a lot of artists now because we've, I'm older than all you guys, but we've all been around long enough to know of a time when the thing was to get a label deal and then yeah. you've got a push, you've got a marketing push, you've got you know a financial thing, you've got people making videos for you, and then 
you know, none of those people, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they might sell millions of records and they're still not making any money and they're working their asses off and they're famous, but they don't feel like they own anything and it's not their, their, their product. And th- that's become very different now. And there's some very high profile artists who have said it's, it's harder because it's more work, but mm-hmm. it's my, it's, it, it's, it's yeah, I harder. get to keep it. I mean, is it? Well, first of all, no label is going to touch a band that's not doing all that on their own anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, cause no, no, la- that's how now? it is now. Yeah. Now, like if you want to be a musician with an original project project, You've got to do that regardless. Right. And the other thing is, is that there are, um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I just I wanted yeah. to interject that. I mean, we live in a time now because of social media and the internet where geography is much less of an issue. Right. So whether you're in New York or in LA or wherever, that people are much more connected. Um, you, as an artist, we have never had more control creative control over our material than than people have right now but it also means that there's a lot more volume out there right so um and like lisa said who what label is going to pick up a band that isn't willing to hustle um so we figured out pretty early on we were going to have to do that and what we found was we can be incredibly productive the three of us in addition to the music um and all the other ways that that the band needs to be served. We there is social media, there's booking gigs, there is doing a website, there's you know merchandising, all of those things. And when you do them effectively, you can actually uh, get a lot of people yeah. interested in what you're doing. And ultimately, you know, like you say, it, because of the way the internet has changed things, if you're good and you're compelling and you're interesting and you're and you're you know, a little different or whatever. the 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 audience will find you. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely. do all that work. You certainly put it out there. That's a certain level, but the audience will decide. The world will decide, and they'll start to gravitate to you. It's the greatest kind of grassroots mm-hmm. way of, of. It's like the long tail. You know that long yeah. tail book. Like with the idea that it used to be like you were saying that you'd have a handful of bands that made a ton of money that sold a ton of records that that and then you and now what we have is a ton of bands mm. that sell less records. Right. So we like it better because honestly a label probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't really be interested in us. I don't know, but we're at the mercy of labels finding you yeah. as opposed to now it's like, you know what, screw you go. We're going to do it ourselves. Right. You know, and it's like yeah. it's empowering and it's pretty uh, Well, cool. exactly. When you can do it on your own terms and you still feel like you're doing uh, you always get to play what you want want to play and you're still watching your audience build and you have these kind of little victories along the way like the movie soundtracks, the Santa Clarita Diet, the, <laughs> um, which they're featured on that soundtrack and and people come to your shows, which is what it's all about. I mean, yeah. really the biggest kick is you guys play live, right? A lot, and you get that vibe. Right. With all the all the different priorities Johnny just mentioned, marketing, website, and all that, what we always say between us and always agree on is our, our live show mm. and the musicianship we have, not just now, but in the future. And we're very clear with each other on how to grow and, and what it looks like. And in fact, every time we record, we actually use that experience to really listen to ourselves and get the data from recording. And the to, data. It, it's true though, as a no, drummer, no. man, it's brutal. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of data there, and uh, and we we ha- and we have to commit to our practice and the individual work too, because you know part of the joy of this is feeling the result of of putting a lot of inf- effort into it mm. and that only comes through dedicated practice first on our own as musicians and then together mm. uh let me go back a little bit to uh, Joni. you and lisa grew up in new england as you said mm-hmm. uh boston area basically yep, yep. who who are you listening to growing up who oh, boy. Like, the, <laughs> people the ask bands it. um Come on, there's a handful that come well, to mind. Well, okay. Do you want me to like chronologically? I sure. Guess, like, do yeah, some. jam through them. Uh, I'll try to jam through them. So I was in. First of all, I, the Meet the Beatles changed my life. I had a broomstick that was my guitar and a Excellent. mirror. And it was awesome. Excellent. And I was John Lennon. And, um, <laughs> and then you know I get older and I was in band. I was in band. I played the saxophone in the band and I was really into that in music like. The concert band music and the jazz band, the jazz stuff. I got really into Miles Davis and Gone Coltrane, maybe like a little obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, but I was into like heavier music too. I was into hardcore music. I was listening to like Scott, like Fishbone, 
um, what is it, Bad Brains. Um, Where are you getting this stuff from? Is it just your find? How do you find it's, it? It's the scene like yeah. that I was in, and then also uh, when I was teaching uh, in high school, I had a kid give me or a while back "Things Fall Apart" by the Roots, which was another thing that was just like I can't believe everyone in the whole world isn't obsessed with this record. Yeah. And I have I have these like I take a record and I just kill it. You know, I'd listen to it for months and months and months and just study it and study it, and you know, and it was all across the board. It really, really was. I was, you know, I was never into like Baroque. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me when yeah. she said Not that. Like into bro- that drives me crazy after a while. But like, <laughs> but seriously, I it's such a, a mishmash, and you know, and when one thing about this, I'm in love with my guitar sound right now, and so when we write songs, I just love how that guitar sounds, and you know, I. Richie Sambora, I love the way he plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like a more of a like, like a sound song guitar person than yeah. a solo person. You know, like I was never that. I mean, Eddie Van Halen's amazing, but I was never that into Not that pyrotechnics, you know? but just yeah. like good solid. Jimmy Page, I was yeah. really into Zeppelin for a while. I was obsessed with that. Joni, what about you? Well, interestingly, even though we are sisters and grew up in the same house, we had very, very different musical experiences. And probably my earliest memory was. The Meet the Beatles. That was, I think, uh, I made it up a dance move to every single one of those songs, <laughs> and um, and then after that it was like Carol King. Loved Carol King and the Carpenters. Listen, my parents would play that in the house, and right around, I, I actually studied classical music growing up. I'm, uh, I played cello and studied that really seriously. So, and that kind of started uh, my love for that genre of music and. Studied classical voice, but probably my greatest love musically is soul music, mm-hmm. old school soul music. Um, Aretha's at the tippy top of the list oh, for wow. sure. Yep, and um, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke. You know that 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 genre of music. It just it puts the hair up on the back of my neck, even still. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and then but I also loved classic rock, love Zeppelin for sure, and and. Uh, and actually started listening to more edgier music when I started playing in this band. Most of my life, like I said, I've been a singer and mainly doing soul She singing. was Annie, too. She played Annie. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was the little orphan Annie. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. All right. Yeah. But, well, but, and she can recite. Nicole and I, oh she knows the words God. to every song that comes every on the radio. Every song. <laughs> like every song that we, did, song we haven't even heard of. And then Joni <laughs> just starts singing every word. We're like, how do you know the song? It's amazing. Tour. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, don't test me on that because I'll probably <laughs> the, fail no, the only I, time it ever counts. You won't. It's I, amazing. I know people Thank like you. that. My son is like that. I have constant. The, the most annoying question I ask him is, "How do you know that song?" He just rolls <laughs> his eyes like I'm supposed to. It's from pop to like 40 year old classic rock stuff. It's like you know, he's a sponge. Nicola, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Seattle, Washington. Oh, cool. So yeah. there's a music scene Great for you. Great music scene. Uh, and so what was the influence on you as you were coming up? Well, my first show I went to was incredible. The Clash opened for The Who, and I was hooked. <laughs> it was just amazing. And um, didn't realize it when I was that young, how many Who songs I knew. So I loved both of those tracks. I loved all of the stuff that was coming out from... Um, from like the Talking Heads, and I love Devo, and I love, love, love the English Beat and all of Ska, but then I love classic 70s rock so much. I just Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, all Zeppelin, all that stuff. And when we went to college back east, fell in love with jazz, so started listening to Coltrane and Miles and all that, and had a different type of education. Um, so, and that, that was the pre grunge days yeah. um, right before I left. Seattle. So uh, there were a lot of different influences swirling around. Where did drumming come in? Uh, I started in seventh grade (laughs) (laughs) with a snare drum. Oh, yay! Uh, and um, my teacher was actually female. She was the lead percussionist in the Seattle Symphony. She was amazing. Are there any pictures? Um, <laughs> maybe. Did I don't know. <laughs> Much to my parents' dismay, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I played and played and I played through college, but it kind of killed it for me. I was in the music division. I was the only female in the entire that entire section um, of the music department, and and. Um, and uh, moved to New York City uh, to teach, too. Uh, and I just, at the time, there was so much machismo uh, and just didn't quite yet know myself enough to barrel through it and stepped away for many years and later 
many years later, when Lisa and I, I would go to Lisa's shows, um, love them, and decided that something was really missing, started playing for a few years with a great group of guys here in L.A., came back to it, and then a few years in, that's when Lisa and I started talking. And actually, Lisa is a phenomenal drummer, and uh, for our first sessions, she spent a lot of time with me getting the feel of our music, because I hadn't quite played in the style that we play before, mm-hmm. so it's been great. It's been mm-hmm. great. Tell me a little bit about being women in this world, in this industry. You probably have experienced all sorts of interesting response to this. Mm-hmm. And again, the going back to the idea that there are going to be people who view you as a gimmick, or maybe, I mean, it, do you still feel the weight of that a little bit of maybe not being taken seriously for various reasons? Or or is the world more enlightened now, <laughs> which I can't even say with a straight face? It, it, it feels like it's a good time to be a woman right now. Yeah. yeah. It feels good. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. But, um, you know, when we go into... We've, we've had a, a, a lot of different types of things happen that, you know, we... We think, how do I say this? Like, we, we try not to um, take it personally, you know, like when things happen and we just see it as, you know, this person means really, really nicely. This person doesn't mean any harm. But that was kind of the stupid thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, teachable for example, moment. Yeah, teachable <laughs> moment. Teachable moment. Right. It's like, for, there's a, like, to give you a couple. And, the, the, you know, we laugh at it now. You know, we laughed at it then, like yeah. in the van right after. But, like, you'll be, you will walk in with our gear. And, you know, Nicola will be standing with her gear, and the sound man will say, um, you know, where's the drummer? And that's right there. That's right there. And he's, he's like, where? I don't see the drummer. It's like, I'm pointing at the drummer. Across, right there. She's and the only one in she's the She's the room. only one there, yeah. And he's like, I don't see her. And, and then she waves her hand. True story. Yeah, yeah, a true story. And he's like, oh, shoot. And, you know, he, he felt bad for him because he was so embarrassed. Right, you know? right. But that's, that little things like that happen um, more than you think. It's... Um, uh, More than you think. Yeah, <laughs> this one time, uh, so, uh, listen, we've had nothing but wonderful experiences yeah. with sound, uh, men and women. But this one time, um, one decided to correct me in front of the audience uh, with the sound check. And I just let it be. But after afterwards, I say the thing is, no matter what they say before the show, after the show, they they are so good to us yeah. and yeah. genuine and 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 genuinely love the show we've had great responses but afterwards i went to him and i said you know i don't whether it's a man or a woman correct the person off the mic yeah that just just feels that's just just polite yeah Yeah. and i I can't say whether it was a gender thing or not a gender thing but it is it is a it is a a a performance thing right yeah, and I mean, at this, most of the experiences we've had have been very mild and subtle, and like Lisa said, never really done with any malice at at their heart. Um, so, what we like to think is that there's an opportunity there for us to to kind of maybe they'll think about that the It'll next time. It'll bit. change their mind a little bit, and we don't make them feel bad about it in the moment, which makes them open to thinking differently. Right. And in the very few times that it has been maybe not so nice, and it's been very very rare, we're, we're make we, we do a pretty good job of pointing it. Joni out. Joni just takes him by the neck and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the bruiser. You're the enforcer. I'll tell you what, though, Larry, our, our kids, yeah. we have a lot of students that play music, that play in rock bands and everything. Most of them are, are girls. Yeah. So mm. we feel like, you know, this times are definitely, you know, changing as the kids are getting older and as people yeah, are getting the older. The kids don't talk like that. Yeah. They, they don't, don't say, notice. oh, I she's a female too. drummer yeah. or a female guitar player. It's just a guitar player and a drummer. And right now, I mean, the fact that we're all women is a little bit of a novelty. But as far as I'm concerned, if that novelty interests you enough to actually listen to our music, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Whatever brings you to the table. Yep. Well, because you guys can back it up. I mean, you must have had experiences where, like, just even talking about those first few gigs, the residency, where just within a few weeks, you know, you had people going, this is something that is real. I mean, this really is a satisfying experience. I mean, there's nothing like a live experience Mm -hmm. where you're walking away going, that fucking rocked. That's, I mean, that's, it, it can change your whole outlook on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, music is a beautiful thing. It isn't sure it? is. Yeah. Sure yeah. is. Yeah. And 
that's the kind of the whole matching dresses thing is part of it. I mean, we're, you know, when somebody's well, okay, that's the third woman I've seen with that same dress on. Suddenly they're going, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to stick around and see. Mm. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, it's fun getting attention. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's face it. That's why we do this. Otherwise, we'd just be playing in our basements. Well, there's an album cover. There's an album name right there. It's fun getting attention. <laughs> it makes it really easy to get ready for any yeah. game. Yes. And on Joni's t- dress really stinks right now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, apparently it didn't dry all the way in the dryer, and now it's like I'm tortured by it. I, mean, I really want to thank Lisa for sharing that on the microphone. Yeah, that's right. Something that no one would have ever known. Oh. It's not quite that bad. Here comes the sister thing. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Well, Nicola, I see. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. spared. No one is spared. <laughs> yeah. So let, uh, let's talk about the ghost. Let's talk about getting attention. One of the things that can help you just kind of reach that next level. And again, it's it, it got a lot of attention because it was a cover and that sort of thing. But it, it, as long as Joni's philosophy, as long as it helps people find you and listen to your music. But the Ghostbusters uh, theme cover was just right thing at the right time. It's mm-hmm. just one of those kind of perfect storms of it was never intended to be anything Mm-hmm. But just again, kind of a fun thing you did for your kids, right? Yeah. Well, we we didn't. I mean, we didn't actually do that one for our kids. Uh. We played a Halloween show. We always play yeah. shows on Halloween, and of course, we have to dress up. And <laughs> we thought, what are we going to be? Let's be Ghostbusters. <laughs> the outfit was an eight dollar painter outfit and we printed out the emblem and taped up ourselves up with masking tape. So you know, when you asked, how do we manage? doing all that well we went for the simplest route on that one (laughs) but thought for the show it's a big gonna be a packed house let's learn the theme song we didn't go with sexy ghostbusters no we weren't sexy ghostbusters (laughs) I don't even know what that would look like actually I'm telling you that costume does exist by the way Uh, sexy ghostbusters I would google it except I think the company would flag me for doing that (laughs) And so we played uh, We played our cover in the club, and it went well. So we went into the recording studio the next week, and we're happy with it. And we passed it along. And we didn't hear anything for six months, and then we got this call that not only did we get a call, but we needed to finish a contract within two hours, which meant we had to find a lawyer. It must have been a <laughs> massive contract. This was a major studio, and... It must have been overwhelming. <laughs> it's it, like, well, the funny thing because that's the kind of thing you kind of want to read. Joni but. mentioned that we were always texting, yeah. And for some reason, on that day, <laughs> I was locked into a several-hour meeting, and Joni was teaching back-to-back classes, and Lisa had all the information to herself, like, and she's like, are "Where are you? Where are you? Why don't they tell you?" Yeah, it's like so. The one time she couldn't get hold of us because they were literally slapping this on to the end credits, like in the final mix, the final. What happened was, I think they had it when they heard it. They just it it luck. It was like a stroke of luck that it matched the vibe of the movie. Totally. That's the vibe they were looking for. So we just got super lucky, and I think that's a, what placements are all about. You know, it's like these music supervisors or directors in this case are just looking for the right match. Mm-hmm. They're not doing favors. They're just looking for the perfect right, song. Right. Right. So we got super lucky. And then they and heard, we, you know, they heard the story about you guys yeah. too, and it was yeah. just like. What a great fit! Yeah, yeah they felt was, they yeah. actually they fell in love with our story yeah. too. Afterward, and I mean the music, the the everything was done in the movie. They just like you said, it was kind of an an afterthought, but they fell in love with it. And it doesn't hurt the the fact that the movie had a the the cast was led by all women, and it was a very fortunate coincidence that we also happened to be an all-female band, but that was not a good enough reason for them to pick the song. They, they, they fell in love with the song. Yeah. They, version they of didn't the know our story. Yeah. They first chose the song, right. and then we got to know them. That's great. And now we, now we know them. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we talk to The music supervisor. But that got you in front of a lot of people. It got you on yeah. local TV shows and a bunch mm-hmm. of radio. I mean, it really exposed you guys in a big way. Tell me some of the experiences of that, of where you ended up playing. I mean, some mm-hmm. strange places you ended up getting to play live. I mean, it just it just bumps you up credibility wise, yeah. you know. All of a sudden, I mean, you you know, before you were saying that people will find you if you're good, but it's they only find you if you get in front of them, mm-hmm. you know. So I feel like Ghostbusters just put us on the map, really, in a lot of ways, in a lot more places than we normally than we already had been, including children's serious radio. We went to number one. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, and um, in a lot of TV and a lot of a lot of press and. And people just really started paying attention to us more, which get it, got us better gigs, better everything, mm-hmm. you know. 
Well, it, 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 even though it was, there was some of it was coincidence, just to kind of allude to what Lisa's saying, it's, it wasn't an accident. I mean, it was in that, I think it was Jefferson, Jefferson said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. You know, it's, it's something along those lines where this, the music ending up uh, in the hands of the right people is one example of a thousand times exactly. that we have done that very thing. Exactly. And you just never know the dot that's going to get connected. So you just have to be constantly throwing things Even up Even you all the right time. now. Like, yeah. you and I met a long time ago. And now when I saw you, I'm like, oh my God. You know, there's a. Who, who knew? Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. like a Wednesday at the sagebrush, you know? <laughs> we turn till now. I know. It's crazy. I think, you know, I've I've done enough of these where I talk to, I'm talking to mostly people in a creative situation. Usually the path is what they thought they were going to be turned into something completely different, but completely as satisfying. I mean, an actor who thought he was going to be dramatic and ended up doing comedy, a uh, uh, a guy who studied Antonioni and thought he was going to be a serious director and, and worked on Friends and Will and Grace, you know, those kind of things, but ultimately found what they belonged doing. Um, and it sounds like that that's exactly. And, and the other thing that is a clear thread in these podcasts is work ethic, mm-hmm. is that you really do yeah. have to put the time in. You the really overnight do. sensation is first uh, a fallacy mm-hmm. and second rarely really happens that way yeah. it's it's a lot of hours putting in the time in your craft and also just the passion to keep going even when it feels like it's just not working and, and even if like the overnight sensation you get to that sensation part and if you don't have a work ethic that that you're used to it doesn't last long right mm-hmm. it's even harder when you're there in harder, a lot of ways harder to stay at the top than get to yeah. the top <laughs> So what do you guys see as the future, Nicola? What would you like to see this develop into? Because you have you have said these are parallel paths. You've got this professional life and this music life. But what, how would you like to see this grow? Well, you know, we've put many years into to teaching, and we love it, as we have for music. Um, the reality is that the relationship we have with one another is something we really, really tra- cherish. So along with what you're saying with work ethic too has there's a very there are very real relationships here mm. that and um we are open we are working as hard as possible to create as many opportunities for this band and if some amazing life experience were to come our way we would look at that because we are always going to be teachers. You teach your whole life. It's a very, very long career. But if an amazing opportunity or moment came, we would we would recognize it for what it was and take a beat and talk to each other about that. So mm-hmm. again, we have the say yes attitude for life experiences, recognizing we have this moment now. Mm-hmm. That's That's our answer. That's mm-hmm. great. And we don't say yes to everything. Anymore. No, no, <laughs> we don't actually. That was gonna yeah, say, that was we gonna have to start you. saying no because it got a little. Well, too much. we do need to sleep occasionally. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're saying so birthday parties unless it's somebody you really like. I see. <laughs> Right. So, so I'm crossing yeah. that off my list. Yeah. I'd totally no, come to your no. birthday party. Birthday? No, I'll play your music at I, my birthday party. I love no. cake and candles. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the last time we did a Monday night show. Mm. Yeah. How about yeah. that? That's Even great. on tour, like we will probably take Monday off. Yeah, it's not a, most. It's not a great night to go out. Do you get the 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 summertime break, the old school kind of handful of months or a handful of weeks? We, we you... do. Joni and I do a summer arts program that lasts for about two and a half weeks. So that's that's in it. But other than that, we're um, we're touring for our summer. Yeah. Some teachers go on vacation and we go on tour. <laughs> you know, and it's literally, there is like not even a breath between when yeah. one thing ends and the next begins. So, you know, the school year ends, then the, the arts program starts and then we boom, we go on tour. But it's interesting when we go on tour, it's a total shift because we can be focus exclusively on the band and performing and and being creative as opposed to you know oh, i gotta do the dishes and i'm gonna practice my instrument or <laughs> so you know true. i gotta grade these papers it's or like you can gonna... check out without checking out right when you're on tour <laughs> right. it's the best feeling it is and we all can be on social media at the same time and it's not rude <laughs> <laughs> are you traveling in some uh crusty van that uh bands always end up in it's uh, a clean van this nicholas van yeah, yeah. i traded in my beautiful pre 
Ideas for a Ford Transit, and, <laughs> and we fit everything in it. It's amazing. But Barely. We, when we go back east, uh, we, we get a yeah. van. Um, <laughs> we have been doing a lot of fly-to dates this year with mm. with this opportunity um, from Ghostbusters and Netflix and all, all a few other things, including the Women's March that we played. Um, we've been flying to different locations in the United States. Um, once in a while, it means taking a Friday off, and so we have to real. It takes a lot of time to actually write subplans, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then and we get the notes, and then we come right back to teaching on Monday. So when we don't, when we have summer to be on tour and oh. not worry about mm. any of that oh, it's man. really a treat you're That's making so me tired just hearing about it. i forgot <laughs> you got to do like the plans and all that stuff you teachers work hard yeah they do teachers work yeah, hard teachers work hard yep, it's yep. definitely everybody you know everybody there you can take any career there's hard work to be had everywhere but teachers, teachers too yeah they do and tell me about the march and playing at the well, we, right. we, okay. no, I'm joking. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah. We did. We did. We were on tour a lot, and it's another connect the dots kind of thing, where we were in um, D.C. doing a show, and there was a woman at the show that was putting together the Unity Ball after the Women's March in D.C., and they called us and asked us if we would play the Unity Ball. So they flew us in. You know, they did. You know, and it was incredible. So we went to the D.C. Women's March, and then we went to the played at the Unity Ball, and it was awesome. It's yep. incredible. And yep. we had a whole bunch of people because we did this. Uh, we used to do this. It, they're not doing the festival anymore, but it was a big festival in Vermont called the Tweed Festival. And there was a whole bunch of women that came down and came to our show that knew every word of the song. Oh, man. So it was like the place was just going crazy. It was it was a great night. Yeah, it, it really was. It was a great night. And the, really the march, fun. it was a, an experience like I've never had in my life. It was it was amazing. I mean, that's not, I, that's not even... You know, it's like words are feeble when you're around that much energy. It's incredible. and we had new gowns too. Oh yes, very <laughs> Brand important. New gowns we bought at, uh, That's very empowering. So and well. and an NSC yeah. record for trying them on and purchasing them. Yeah, yeah. In, in ten the, minutes. In ten, in ten minutes. minutes. <laughs> ten minutes. And these these gowns were like something to be seen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they will be. We uh, we yep. just recorded. Three music videos with badass bands that will be featured one a week in May. Just a really beautiful production we did last Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Badass yeah. band blog, I think, is mm, what they're yeah. called. Yeah. yeah. So immediate future, uh, you're talking about touring in the summer, nothing set in stone yet, but you have some gigs coming up? Yeah, we have a few things before that. We're going to be playing on the main stage at the Topanga Days Festival, May 27th. Really excited. It's our first time there. We'll be playing uh, a few weeks before that at the the Ride for Ride Ronnie. For Ronnie. Ride, Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie James, James Dio, Dio. that's a cancer, oh. stand up and shout cancer front. Right, right. Yeah. So we're playing at that with all the bikers. And a week after uh, <laughs> Topanga, again in LA, will be the Loomis Day Festival in East LA. So those are our our more recent shows. Uh, but then in the summer, we'll be in Alaska, we'll be in Arizona, and then we'll be back east, and then we'll be in Indiana um, doing a series of days at Butler University where they've asked us actually to teach to aspiring teachers and to put on a rock show. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have the college planning thing in high school. (laughs) So we've got some fun things going on in the next four months, five five months. And the music, of course, always. I mean, we're we're kind of... uh, recording the singles right now one at a time and which is a little new for us and that part is always happening the music is always being written yep. always constantly being recorded and and uh we're we fortunate tr- to have a studio You're so very we have fortunate. access so we can record as we make up songs right and and which offers some people something new to listen to excellent and here all hopefully all the time yeah and the so, website again NoSmallChildren.com. Great. You know that we did. We have this. I feel better. And yeah. then, but and then we're having. A, we have another single called Radio. It's pretty. We're pretty psyched about it yeah. too. All Both right. of them. Yeah, I love Radio. I want to play. Let's play some of that right now. And we'll come back and we'll hear some live music from No Small Children. This is their latest single, Radio. So good.
here we go. A live acoustic performance from No Small Children. What's this song we're going to do? It's called I Don't Want It. All right. I Don't Want It. No Small Children. Uh, <laughs> cross your fingers. Here we go. Yeah, cross <laughs> your fingers. Nicola, Joni, no small children, fantastic! Thank you so Thank much. You so Thank much, you Larry. so much, Larry. You guys, literally and figuratively, rock. Ow! Kids, look up the word figuratively. <laughs> I think I probably even used it properly. Thanks for being here, guys. It's Thank awesome. You. Get a monkey. Get a monkey. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 